together in this way. Um, I don't take it lightly, and I don't take it for granted. It's a privilege, man, and it's by God's grace. And so um, here's where I just want to put out right in front what we're seeking to do. Again, in the next several uh, sessions, the pursuit of Christ, you see that? I'm behind me there. That is our goal. Um, I heard, providentially, I heard today we had a man come speak to our staff in Oakville, and he was speaking on very similar themes from John chapter 7, and really the hunger and need for the Spirit of God for the relationship of Jesus Christ. And he said this one comment, which I immediately grabbed onto because it's everything that we're seeking to understand right now. He said this. He says, in the Christian life, you are either drifting away from Christ or pursuing Christ. And there's no in between. And I'm like, that's good, we gotta write that down. You know what I'm saying? That's so true. So right now, in this room, right now, here, everyone here right now, there are two types of people. You are either drifting from Christ or with intention and with determination by God's strength and spirit, we are pursuing Christ. So just take a moment and just really honestly, before God right now, where would you be in that type of continuum? Where, where would you be? It's kind of like when you're trying to swim upstream, it's that classic illustration. Uh, there's no neutrality. You're either going with the current or you're swimming by God's grace and strength up the stream uh, towards the destination. So where are you right now? Are you drifting or pursuing? Uh, some of us right now are like, you know what? I think I'm doing okay. Uh, it's been a good season. I feel strong. I'm excited to see kind of more strength be added and more determination by God's grace added to my walk. It's awesome. Some of us right now are like, you know what, man? I'm not doing so great. Uh, there's been seasons in the past, but right now I'm kind of, ah, you know, I know there's areas, and some of us flat out, we're like, it's not good. Uh, my relationship with God right now, it is not good. I got sins loaded up right now. I'm, I'm actually, I'm a double-minded. I'm playing a certain part when I come to church with my family. But if the reality was, if you really knew what was going on, I mean, I don't even want to pretend right now anyways, before God, I'm not doing well. Regardless of where you are, God has a word for you. And we're praying that all of us would get more together on the same page, on the same team, to pursue the only one who can ultimately satisfy. Amen, church? The only one found is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take tonight, and we're going to examine three main things as we approach Sunday together. Tonight is this. It's the foundation of our pursuit, which is going to be in the understanding the doctrine of abiding in Jesus Christ. Absolutely foundational, all essential. We'll see that. Tomorrow morning, Lord willing, we're going to see this. What's the greatest enemy to our pursuit in Christ? The enemy of our pursuit ultimately is sin. And it's going to be a bit of a hard message tomorrow morning. It's going to be a bit of a serious message, but a very needed message. So you come back tomorrow, okay? Don't, don't you miss that one, okay? That's so important. With courage, see what God has for us as you speak to us. And then we're going to end uh, tomorrow morning at the second session tomorrow with this. What's the goal of this pursuit? Well, the goal is ultimately the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and glory that awaits us in heaven again with Christ forever. And that day is going to be a great day. Amen. Amen. All in favor of glory coming. This would be so good. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 3 again tomorrow to end that. And then we roll into Sunday together. So, very excited for that. Very excited to see where we're going to go. If you could open your Bibles right now, please, to John chapter 15. That would be super helpful. Uh, if you have a Bible, maybe there's one around, you can share the person beside you, but we're going to need a Bible all through this conference. I have nothing to say apart from God's Word. So we're going to be in John chapter 15, and before we go any further, I know Mark got to pray, I want a chance to pray, but here's what I want you to do too, okay? Don't leave Pastor up here hanging by himself, okay? And with all seriousness and sincerity, right now, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I want you, as I pray, join me, agree with me, 
But pray that you're here, you made the effort, you're taking the time. Let's, I didn't, I didn't drive all the way from Burlington today to go through the motions, you know what I'm saying? Like I didn't come all this way to sit here and think, oh, this is nice, just put ourselves in the back and go home. No way. If God has done anything in me, it's the reality he desires and he's in the business of changing lives. And he wants to change you. He wants to change your marriage. He wants to change your family. He wants to change your church. This is the whole point of our lives, the goal of sanctification in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray with all sincerity. Saying, you, you can just pray a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Would you, would you make it so clear what you have for me right now, at this time, and in this place? Would you take the next place, maybe 18 hours, and would you make it count so much for your glory? So I'm going to pray, and I just would ask, by yourself where you are, that you would join with me. Father, I just so gladly just surrender to you right now and admit my utter frailty, my inability, insufficiency, inadequacy. Um, just again, in myself, nothing will happen. But by the Spirit of God and by Jesus Christ and the generosity, the kindness of the Father in heaven, lives can be dramatically and drastically changed in you. So together, Lord, as your church right together, I pray all of us as individuals and as your church, we say, Holy Spirit, would you speak? Would you show me the areas of people I have not seen? Would you encourage me in the direction, Lord, that you desire for us to go? And would you help us, Lord? Would you make this a supernatural time by the Holy Spirit, again, resulting in the glory of God? You are so good and so kind. We do not deserve even to be here now. Your grace we are. And so we pray you would make it count. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for all the people who are hungry just by their attendance. And we pray you be adding to that, adding fuel to that fire now. In the name of Jesus Christ, this is your time, your conference, your weekend. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree, you can say amen. Amen. May it be so. All right, John 15 in front of us. So it was a couple of summers ago, um, I was riding my bike. I'm a little bit into cycling, and who do we have to blame for me being in cycling? Pastor Ian! Yeah! I'm so glad he did know. It's been such a great hobby and a passion. And uh, we exercise love so much. So I was riding up north in a provincial park by my parents' cottage, and it was early in the morning. The sun was ri rising. I was by myself. It was beautiful. There's like not a cabin or a cottage anywhere in sight. Even campsites weren't like close by. It was me, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and some squirrels, all right? And I'm riding down again this road, and I'm in there, and you can't just picture it. The sun's coming up. It's, it's, it's wonderful. I'm tired. I'm almost done my ride. There I am. I'm feeling so thankful and aware of the beauty around me. And all of a sudden, as I'm riding down this road, this abandoned road with trees on the other side, all of a sudden I heard this massive, as I'm riding by, this massive crack. And this, and this crack was this tree that instantly cracked and it was so, does the tree make a sound before someone falls? It doesn't exist, it does, all right, all right? And I guess if you're there, for sure it does, right? This tree right beside me, that has been riding along, crack and land, right down, right beside the road, right beside me at that moment, and I was like, I thought two things right away, but first of all, wow, I'm so glad I didn't die. Can you imagine if that's the way that you met? You're like, hey, I don't have to ride that. Well, you're riding his bike. Wouldn't you know? Chances are, tree fell up and killed him. But that would be that would be terrible. That's not the way I, I want to go. So I was like, oh, that was cool. It was probably like 10 yards from where it was, from parallel to the road. And the second thing I thought was, man, there's something seriously wrong with 
that tree. That tree obviously had no life. That tree obviously had no root system that was working. That tree obviously it was not in a place of health. And sometimes they can look in a certain way maybe, but this tree obviously wasn't in the place again that it had any life in it, and that's why it fell. And I use that opening illustration to point us to John chapter 15, verse 4, and I think you'll see why right now as I read it. Here's the words of Jesus, the wonderful words of Jesus. He says this, he says, verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, notice, unless you abide in me. I am the vine. God, help us just to let that truth sink in. Even if you've heard it a thousand times, right, right this time right now. I am the vine. You are the branches, he says. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do Nothing. Here's the bottom line for our time this evening right now. It's this. The starting point for our pursuit in Christ, the starting point for authentic discipleship in the Lord Jesus Christ is this. Ready? It is impossible to truly follow Christ without abiding in Him. I want to say it again. I want you to think about that. I want you to receive it. It is theologically impossible for us to truly pursue Christ to be genuine followers of Christ, apart from abiding in Him. The person who does not abide in Christ, they simply will not last. The person who does not abide in Christ, there will not be fruit, there will not be vitality, there will not be strength. In the end, that person will fall. That's the crux of our passage today. The truth that cannot be avoided today is, listen, there is no true discipleship in Jesus for the person, again, who does not abide in Jesus. Now let's think about that. Why is that true? Well, the reason that's true is because Jesus himself is life. Jesus is vitality. Jesus is strength. Jesus is ultimate life purpose. Jesus is absolutely everything. I mean, look at John 15, verse 1. Look down at verse 1. Jesus, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Therefore, if we're not abiding in the true vine, we are abiding in false vines. We are abiding in vines that cannot give what they promise to give. If we're not abiding in Christ, then there is no true pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ, just theologically speaking. Look now at verse 6 of John chapter 15. Jesus says this, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and they are burned. So this is why then the pursuit of Christ begins right here in this fundamental passage. And what I want to do, I'm going to break down these couple of verses into three main points for us right now as we begin this journey together of pursuing Christ. And the first point then, point number one is this, I am supernaturally connected to Christ. I am supernaturally connected to Christ. So again, verse five, look at Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Let's just stop right there for a second. The truth that Jesus declares right here is awesome. What Jesus is saying here in that first initial phrase, he is outlining, listen to he is outlining the most powerful and intimate relationship in all of creation. You have to hear what Jesus is saying. I am the vine, Jesus says, you, his disciples, are the branches. 
Jesus just again explained the most intimate and powerful, hear me, relationship that we could have in all of creation. Jesus looks at his disciples in the eyes and he says, this. he says, you are supernaturally connected to me. And then he also says, and I, as the Lord of the universe, are supernaturally connected to you too. That is so awesome. I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, the moment the disciples start hearing words about vine and branches and grapevines, their minds are racing with imagery because grapevines were all over ancient Israel. Their familiarity would be very, very strong. What immediately would be understood to the disciples listening to Jesus as he teaches John 15, they would immediately understand again the relationship, look, 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 of the branch as, as it's attached to the stem. They would all get this right away. They'd be like, oh yeah, we see it all the time. The branch, if it's not attached to the stem of the vine, there's no chance for the branch. So they would understand this, ready, loved ones? They would understand the union, the all-important union of the relationship of the branch as it's attached to the stem. Without the union being attached branch to stem, again, the branch doesn't stand a chance. And this is really one of the foundational points of our time, even right now in the New Testament, John 15, it's so essential because we're understanding our union in Christ is everything to us. Let's unpack theologically first. I love theology. I love theology. Theology properly applied creates passion and pursuit like you've never known before. The theology presented right here in a couple of phrases is we understand this. Our union in Christ literally goes from eternity past to eternity future. Okay? You say, what do you mean by that? Well, think about it. In Christ, that phrase, in Christ, Ephesians 1. In Christ, abiding in Christ, John 15. Because of our relationship to Jesus Christ, if you're alive right now, if you're alive in Jesus Christ right now, before the foundations of the world, he chose you. He chose you. He knew you. He set you apart before you were a thought to your parents, before you were formed in your mother's womb, before the foundations of the world. Your union in Christ. It hurts our brains to think about that. It's so awesome and true and so biblical. Because of your union in Christ, again, you were predestined and chosen, again, before the foundations of the world. Then you go to your, your regeneration, born again with the Holy Spirit of God. That's all because of our union in Christ. It's because of Christ that we were born again and made alive and new creations. And then we go to justification. The only way we can be justified in the sight of God and declared innocent is because of our union in the Lord Jesus Christ, which then, of course, leads to sanctification. The moment that we start being changed like Christ and we're growing right now, that's not us. That's our union in Christ, ultimately. You go from sanctification to the moment we die, as those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are we afraid of death? We're not afraid of death because the moment we die, we actually start to live and we are raised to new life in Christ. Why? Because of our union in Christ. And that leads to the day where our glorification will come someday so soon. And our glorification, oh, what a day it's going to be. Oh, what a day all sinned up with. And Satan is no more. And there we are in the perfect presence of God. And the one most we will have is the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us and set us free, was raised from the dead. All because, again, he allowed us as a branch to be attached to the vine where all of life is found again. Eternity past and eternity future from that one little phrase, in Christ. That's awesome. And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to say here on some level. The union we have in Jesus Christ is everything.
within our lives. And I'm telling you, the, the more, it, what we just unpacked right there, like that's a lot, but it's, it's good. The more we can think about that, and you're kind of like looking at life right now, and you're thinking, wow, like, it's fantastic. You know, you're like, wow, what's really important in this life? It becomes pretty clear, doesn't it? The most important thing I can ever come up with in my life is my relationship with the one who has chosen me and saved me and one day soon will see me totally glorify his presence. Like, what up? What up? TV show compares to that? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Some human relationship you can hold up and compare it to Jesus Christ? Not a chance. Not a chance. This is the truth and the theology that helps us to say, I want my prayers to be attached to the vine, the very one who gives me everything. Again, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Again, love here. There is no more beautiful relationship in all of creation. Again, no more important relationship in your life, supernaturally connected to Christ. So that is why he must be our highest calling. That is why he must be our greatest affection. That is why you must be our strongest pursuit. Because it's, in, listen, listen, it's impossible to truly pursue Christ without abiding in Him. Why? Let's take the metaphor, let's take the illustration of the branch, again with the stem. Jesus Christ is the vine, is the sap and juice that fills the branch. If you disconnect yourself from, this, from the vine, you got no sap in it, you got no nutrients, you got no juice, you got no life. You're on your own. In fact, today, just, just before I came here, I got my car, and there was a big dead branch on the front part of our roof, and I had to try to reach up and get it off. It was totally dead by itself. It was no longer attached to the tree. It was useless, ready to be thrown in the fire, kindling. Unless we are attached to the Lord Jesus Christ again and understand the beauty of the supernatural connection we with Him, we will not be bearing fruit any time soon. So simple, so simple, yet so life changing. And God's got a word for some of us right now. And this is what we need to hear even as we begin. This is what we need to hear to remind ourselves, what am I doing? Why am I attached to everything else but Christ right now? I want to live my life for what counts. I want to bear fruit. How Jesus wants me to bear fruit. I got to abide in Him. This takes us to point number two now. Okay? If I'm in pursuit of Jesus Christ, I have to go, I cannot bear fruit if I do not abide. I can't bear fruit if I do not abide. Look at verse 5 in the second half. Jesus says, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Now the word abide here, we should know it means to remain in. It means to stay in. It means we draw our life from Christ. If we look at verse 4 again, verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So, so we have no power other than what's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice in both in verse 4 and 5, notice Jesus' commands, abide in me. He doesn't say abide with me. You say, why is that important? Well, listen, the branch does not live outside the vine, as we have heard, but the branch lives by the vine. The branch by union, again, within the vine. So again, it's impossible to pursue Christ without abiding in Him, and therefore, I cannot bear fruit if I am not abiding. In other words, the branch, I love this point, the branch does nothing to add to its existence. The branch doesn't try harder. The branch doesn't say, hey, no, I'm going to bear fruit. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my ducks in a row, and I'm going to really, really try hard. I'm going to squeeze up the fruit. I'm going I'm I'm to see the fruit come through my life. I 
touching the branch, and what it does, it just simply dries itself. And the sap and the juice start to flow. And the nutrients and the vitality and the life starts to flow from the stem through the branch. As long as the branch is truly abiding in the stem, then all of a sudden all of life comes through the branch and starts to bear the fruit. You see, the branch on itself does nothing. The branch is fully reliant on the vine to see the life of the vine bear the fruit through the branch. We don't produce fruit on our own effort. We produce fruit by Jesus in us. Our job is to abide. So, so here's where many people get this wrong. Many people, again, think it's by my activity that bears fruit. No, 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 I'm correct. It's by our relationship foundationally and fundamentally where, again, the fruit starts to be seen. This is the incentive to spend time and relationship of abiding in the vine. And this is why Jesus starts this foundational passage with, I am, again, look at verse 1, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Which makes you think then, and also suggests that there are false vines. False vines that we are tempted to abide in. False vines that possess no true eternal fruit. Please listen to this. There are, this is of eternal importance right here. This is why there are many, quote, professing Christians who are leaning entirely on external, formal, ritual behavior. Many within the visible church have never actually demonstrated true abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, there's been no true grace. There's been no true faith. There's been no true Holy Spirit. And that becomes there's a real problem. Let me ask you here, can you truly experience union with Christ and not bear fruit? Can you truly experience the supernatural relationship and transformation that occurs and truly be saved in Christ and not bear fruit? The answer is no. Every single life that God truly turns over and saves is a life that must start to beat a heartbeat for Jesus Christ and must start to bear fruit from their lives. This is the tragedy of religion. I don't know who's here right now exactly. I mean, I strongly uh, guess that most of us here right now, you are alive in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. That is so good. And you were here because you want to grow in Christ. But maybe there's one, two, a handful of people that you've been playing a game of religion for months or years or even decades. I don't know. God does. And if there's one person here that needs to be spoken to to understand, listen, if we're not evidencing on some level a genuine relationship and fruitfulness for the Lord Jesus Christ, and if we, if we know right now that our lives have really been this ritualistic, formal religion of external kind of fronting to people, but there's nothing really happening, right now the Holy Spirit's like, hey, listen, your life could change forever right now in a genuine relationship of love and forgiveness of sins to see authentic fruit come from your life as you understand he is the true vine which gives life. But you see the real danger of this, and even as verse six talks about Jesus takes the branches that don't bear fruit and throw them in the fire, the real danger of this is that there are people sitting in churches all over this nation that think that they're saved because they've been baptized. They think they've been saved because of church membership. 
we have a lot of that in our church of people coming in and they've been from different situations. I, I did this. We have people come in and said again from different, again, forms of just saying, well, I went to church enough and I, I prayed certain prayers and I said again, Hail Marys, and all of a sudden they find out I don't know Christ at all. It's one of the things that we need to think about with all seriousness and to examine to be able to sit there and say, again, where do I find myself? And this is, this is what's so beautiful. But again, look now at, at, at verse eight, just trying to give us a context of where we are. Look at verse eight. Jesus says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, notice, and so prove, so prove to be my disciples. Again, it's impossible to truly pursue Christ without abiding in him. So you know what's happening right now? I love here at this conference, the pursuit of Christ, here we are together, and what's happening is, is the Holy Spirit has just driven up the abide bus. It's like parked right here, okay? Maybe you can't see physically, it's here spiritually, okay? And he's opened the door, way open. Any kids kind of ride the bus? I drop my kids off of the bus and pick them up, whatever, each day. The Holy Spirit's opened the doors right in, and he's like, who wants to jump on the abide bus? Here's the chance right now. I'm inviting you in right now, man, right now. Some of us, we have not, we have not been abiding in a long time. And here's our chance by God's grace because he loves us so much. He's like, come on, jump on board. All are welcome. I got seats for everyone. Everyone who wants to come on and see life and joy and relationship and peace and fruitfulness and new beginnings and grace and strength. The bus door is open. Who wants in? I'm telling every person who decides to jump on right now onto this bus, you will not be disappointed. It's being some of us right now are like, mm, I'm not quite sure. Mm, kind of busy, got a few things I gotta do. I'm not quite sure. What's it gonna cost me? Is it gonna be it? And all that's, there is a cost to this abide bus, but the blessing infinitely outweighs any cost there is that any person who is left behind is left behind in joy and satisfaction and peace and again, blessing in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now, this message right now here, John 15, a by bus is pulled up, doors open saying, he's like, come on in. It's gonna be great. Do you believe me? Do you trust me? Holy Spirit say, and every person who says yes, man, the opportunities and what God can do with that, it's pretty exciting. So, let us be aware and humble that this opportunity to abide in the Lord is the foundation of our pursuit. But let us realize again, let us realize what we're choosing between within our lives. Because let's consider how often we choose not to abide in the all-sufficient king and we abide in other things. You say, what kind of things, Robbie? Let's consider how we so often abide in the things of the world. What kind of things in the world? How about we so often abide in our couches Talk about abiding or remaining or staying in our couches, right? We abide right into slothfulness or laziness. I know the stats. I know my own heart. How many hours we can sit sitting down, whether smartphone or TV or binge watching on, I don't have Netflix, man, but I heard it's pretty addictive. And maybe that's a good thing I don't have it, huh? And I just, episode, and they just keep playing episodes and we're sitting there, we're sitting hours and hours and we haven't even remotely thought about Christ and his word a problem that's a problem how often we can abide again in our in our smartphones again the guy was talking to us today in our staff he reminded us again just he is convinced and so am i actually that the smartphone is probably the single greatest hindrance to true abiding in the lord jesus christ you say why is that i read a book uh, last year here's what um one author says about what's being scientifically proven with smartphone like devices and the access to apps that we have, like in this case, Facebook, okay? He says this, scientists have discovered that every time we receive a Facebook like, 
I'm not on Facebook either, praise the Lord. If you are, it's totally fine, okay? But you gotta, you, you gotta decide what you need to do with this, okay? Every time we receive a Facebook like, our brains inject tiny squirts of a pleasure chemical. It's like a mini crack cocaine hit. Oh my goodness. So every buzzer beep notification creates a craving in our bodies for the squirt hit, turning us into beep and pingaholics. Now, now, I have a smartphone and I know when the phone beeps. Isn't it, just in one second, isn't it interesting? Like you're kind of you're walking by and all of a sudden you hear a beep or a buzz or a vibrate. You're, oh, oh, what's that? And you run over, did I miss something? I missed something? You know, the, the average person checks their phone 150 times a day. I hope you're below the average, man. Like, I really hope. Just, but just be aware. Be aware. Be aware. Here's what the author says. He says this. He says, I've also come to realize that digital technology is one of the greatest impediments to a life spent in communion with God. Okay, so just time out. I, I love when I'm preaching. Just take time out and just pause for a second. Let you catch up a little bit. But let's just let the Holy Spirit do some application right now. And like, I'm with you in this, man. I am not preaching at you. I'm just with you in this, Okay. Let's just, let's just think for a second and say, how much is my lifetime affection, emotion, intimate time, how much is that dominated by things like that? Um, how much of my potential communion and intimacy and abiding with the Lord, how much is that being interfered with right now by even the, sometimes the good things, sometimes not good things, that are surrounding me on a daily basis. You know, you know how many people will get to the end of their life and Jesus will be like, hey, what'd you do with what I gave you? How'd you use the giftedness that I entrusted you with? What'd you do with the stewardship of your time and talent and treasure? And people are like, well, man, I got some killer apps on my phone, God. Like, I, I spent a lot of time building up on Clash of Clans or whatever it's called, you know? And they'd be like, and he'd be like, really? And in the end, he's like, but, but what about my kingdom? And what about loving your family? What about... What about pursuing Christ? What about my world? What about the people he could have? I mean, this is reality for so many of our lives. And again, I want you to say, God is constantly working on me. And I'm, I'm just with you now. I'm with you in the season of life. And trying to be honest with the Lord as he brings conviction because he loves me so much. He wants to bless me more with himself. What else do we abide in? Biden talked about television, internet. We abide in boyfriends, girlfriends. Be very careful. We abide in our appearance. We abide in our makeup. Women. We abide in the gym. We abide in our golf swings. We abide in hobbies. We abide in decorating, renovating our houses. We abide in our holidays. We'll spend more time planning a holiday than we ever would spend time in pursuing God and his word. We abide in our kids. Wow, we abide. I got, I got four kids. Wow, the kids are attempting to abide in something. We live in a child-centered generation. It's amazing how many parents, man, the helicopter parents, the bubble wrap parents, wherever they are, we abide in our kids so much that at the end of the day, we love them more than Jesus. And you're like, well, isn't it good to love my kids? Oh yeah, it is good to love your kids, not more than Jesus. Jesus is preeminent. There's no way. In fact, you will love your kids more as you love Jesus first. Be careful. Just, just see like the patterns. Some, uh, some of us here right now, we are workaholics. We abide in our work to the point that there's nothing else in life that is really happening. But the question is, are we abiding in Christ? Because we will not bear much fruit, as verse 5 says, unless we abide in Christ. You know why also, just as a point of insight and awareness, this is why God sends trials into our lives. 
This is why God sovereignly will, will, will appoint times of discipline because he loves us. This is why sometimes we have forms of suffering. It's the single greatest way God gets our attention to remind us what life is really about. I've seen it all around me recently. Many people I know and love and many things in my life too. God will allow seasons to come in to save you from yourself and to point you to what's best because he loves us too much to let us keep wandering off the path and heading towards a lack of fruitfulness that results in no glory to him and probably just glory for ourselves. So just think about that for a second. The power of abiding. Can you see a season in your life recently, last several months, maybe a couple years, where God has maybe purposely led you into a time where things weren't so great that you might turn and look to him in fresh and new ways. Do you know what I'm most uncomfortable? I'm most uncomfortable when I'm most comfortable. Like when I'm uncomfortable, I don't like it and I wanna be comfortable, but I found over the years that when things are too good, I'm like, oh no, this isn't going great. I'm like, oh, something's gonna, you know what I mean? And not like fatalistic, but you're just kind of sitting there and you realize like, no, if things are too easy, then I'm also scared of this. I'm so scared of this when things are too easy. Because you start to relax, hey man, is this good, it's all right, we're gonna kind of cruise through life and see what happens. The urgency leaves, the passion leaves, the intensity for Christ, the pursuit can weaken. How are the Lord speaking to you in that right now? Again, we're convinced if we do not abide, we will not bear fruit in the way that God has for us. And this takes us to our third and final point then, which is this, it's, it's this, it's I am 100% then dependent upon Christ. I am 100% dependent on Christ. And look at the end of verse five there. End of verse five, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he does the bears much fruit. Ready, ready? For apart from me, you can do, tell me, Nothing, nothing. Last time I checked, nothing meant nothing. Yes, yes. So I don't know if Jesus could be any clearer. I mean, could he really? He looks at his disciples. Look right here, look right here, look right here. He looks at his disciples, and this is the Lord speaking through me right now, through his word, okay? He's looking at you, and he's saying this. Whoever, every, every single person, man, woman, child. He's like, listen, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Someone else like, no, I think I can do something. He's like, no, no, you can't. Yeah, I think I can. I think, no, you can't. God's like, no, you can't. Sorry, I'm sorry. I, I'm God, you're not, you can't, right? But we try to convince ourselves we can. So here, one more time. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, we can do nothing of any eternal fruitfulness and true fruit for him. Apart from abiding in him and the relationship of the branch attached to the stem, again, of that vine. Remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples here. Notice the word apart here. Apart means without, independent from, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, many people, I believe, will stand before Christ at the end and say, Jesus, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me that? Man, if you would have told me, man, I would have listened. And I, could Jesus be any more clear right now? Like some of us right now, we're kind of like, get to the end and, and get our lack of fruitfulness. Well, gee, if you told me apart from you, I could do nothing, then I would have changed the priorities of my life. I mean, you should have, you, you should have sent someone to say something to me. And I'm telling you, man, because like in his work, could he be any more clear right now as to the realities of how it goes in our relationship with him? Could he be any more clear? I don't know, any more clear. He just said, he just said again to us, again in grace and love. Apart from me, church, apart from me, Jesus says, you can do, boop, nothing. Zero of spiritual, genuine fruitfulness. That's why I'm not 75% dependent on him or 95, I'm 100% 
dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this, listen, this becomes the non-negotiable need to abide. And here's what I love to do. So as I'm, as I'm working through, I'm a simple guy, okay? So when I'm working through theology like this, I'm like, okay, so apart from Jesus Christ, I can do nothing. Okay, listen, so, so Robbie, if you really believe, I'm telling you, this is what drives me to my chair virtually every morning of my life for extended periods of time in the word and prayer, journaling, whatever it is, personal worship. This is what drives me every time. It's, this is how I think. I get up and my mind says, I believe apart from Christ, I can do nothing. I believe God's word is what renews my mind. I believe as I pray to God, he works through people who are dependent upon him. I I believe I'm not humble. I believe in humility. So I believe, therefore, I need to humble myself before the Lord. Otherwise, I will not have fruit through my... This this is what I say to myself all the time. Like, this is the theological kind of... The sequence I go through every single day to renew my convictions and resolve that apart from Christ, I can do nothing. Let's put a few phrases up on the screen I want you to see here as this theology must relate again to actual change in our lives, right? This is what, when you break down John 15 verse five, this is where true doctrine must lead to true duty. This is where true belief must lead to true behavior. This is where truth must, must, must lead to transformation, right? Because if you believe this, Don't you want to do something about it? I mean, to see John 15 verse 5 and to say, okay, I agree, apart from Christ, I can do nothing, but I do nothing about it as a result? That's a problem. Like something's disconnected there. Either you simply don't care at all, or you might say, I don't believe it, which then you're disagreeing with God's word. You might be like, ah, I I don't feel. If you care about life and fruitfulness for Christ, if you desire to make your life count for Jesus in the one chance you have, then what I do is I say, I really believe God is right here and I want my life then to live according to what I believe. And so I'm gonna pray by God's spirit and his help that he's gonna take this truth and he's gonna lead it to transformation within my life. I'm telling you like this, I, I, I said it already many times, I preach to myself these type of truths every day of my life because I'm just utterly convinced of what I'm preaching to you now because it's right here. It's so clear. I can't tell you how many believers and Christians I've been around that somehow they, they disconnect themselves from this reality and they convince themselves of things that just aren't true. You're here right now. We're here together right now. God is reminding us in love to say we are 100% dependent upon the Lord and the power of abiding in him. It is impossible to pursue Christ apart from abiding in him. It's impossible. Remember, uh, throughout this weekend, guilt, I believe, is not of the Lord at all. Guilt is of Satan, ready? Conviction is of the Holy Spirit. They are two very different things, okay? So it's not like, wow, I stink. No, you say, wow, the Lord has so much for me. There's so much further I can go. Conviction is very, very good. Guilt is not good. So we want conviction right now for the good that God wants to do, the blessing and the, and the power and the strength he wants to provide in our lives and fruitfulness. But Satan comes out and says, yeah, look at you, man. You're just a total train wreck, okay? In Jesus' name, we dismiss that right now. That's a lie. 
In the Lord Jesus Christ, I am saved. I'm a child of God. In the Lord Jesus Christ, I will never lose. In the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm a sheep belonging to the good shepherd. In the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm guaranteed again a mansion in glory. In the Lord Jesus Christ, again, I am forgiven. I am a child of God. I'm adopted in the family of God. In the Lord Jesus Christ, by the gospel, again, I am his and he is mine. Amen? Amen? So we root ourselves in that and now we say, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, he wants to bear fruit through my life. It's awesome. So, let's kind of end with some of these questions right here, okay? We desire to bear fruit, but we fail to make the first and most important step, which is abiding. Hey, there's some dads in the room. Hey, dads, do you want to be a dad that your children look up to? I'm telling you, the, the first most important step you could ever make is abiding. Is abiding. Because everything flows from you. She was saying, like, oh, I want to be a dad that leads really well and does this and is an example. If you're not abiding, man, there's not going to be much chance of that. My dad, when I was about 17, 18, my dad was a, 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 a good church man. Um, I, think, I think he had a genuine relationship with the Lord. But when I was in my late teens, man, something, something changed. My, he caught fire. And he woke up. It was like 5.30 in the morning. I wasn't getting up at 5.30 at that time. But I knew, man, I would bump into him. And I wasn't close to my parents. I wasn't saved. I was a, a pretty hard rebel. But I watched a transformation of my dad and his pursuit of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you this, I never saw a man love a woman like I saw my dad love my mom. And I would never admit to him at the time, but I was watching over there. Like, I'm like, that's gross, you know, kind of over there, whatever. But in my mind, I'm like, they got something going on right now. They, they have a strength of life. And you know, deep down, I'd be a few years from my life dramatically changing. But deep down, I'm like, what they have, I know I need. I, what they, I can't explain it. I, I, I knew deep down. I wouldn't admit it, but again, I knew it. It's the power of abiding. My dad was abiding in, in such vitality in a way he's never done before. And his oldest rebel son was looking across the room and I knew what he had I needed. And eventually it's one of the greatest things God would use to break me totally of sin and repent and turn to Jesus Christ. It wasn't my dad coming up to me and lecturing me. It wasn't my dad coming up to me and telling me that I was no good. It wasn't my dad trying to fix everything about me. He knew the stuff I was up to. And yet the most powerful thing he did was live a life in Christ by example of abiding in him. Do you want to have a, a rockin' marriage? It's not hoping your wife will go out and buy the next and latest great book on marriage. Or your husband will finally get it together. I'm telling you, the power of abiding is the foundation to marriage. Do you want wisdom in your life? You're like, man, I, I, I need wisdom. <laughs> Time with the Lord, man. Time with the Lord. Abiding in the Lord. Do you want love and forgiveness in your life? Do you want resentment and unforgiveness to be overcome? Not without abiding. Good luck with that. Uh, do you want God to raise you up in leadership? I mean, how many young men or young women that come up and they just want to do everything for the Lord and they want to go from like age uh, 13 and act like they're like 43 or whatever it is and they want it to all happen in a year. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Dude, get low, man. Humble yourself. Do you really think God's going to use you in the place where you think you're God's gift to his church? I mean, it drives me crazy. Why? Because I was that guy probably for a little while. And God breaks us and humbles us and teaches us independence. And if I, some of you right now, you're here right now, and you, you aspire to levels of leadership, but you have not yet surrendered to this principle right here. If, if the leaders of this church are seeing clearly, they will not be running after a person who's not demonstrating a relationship in Jesus Christ with authenticity because the Holy Spirit's not doing it either. 
I'm telling you, let the Lord authenticate you. Let the Lord authenticate you by trusting in him and building a relationship of intimacy and love and humility and dependency. That is who God raises up. Stop complaining or whining or tearing down people from a distance. Trust in God with where you are and see what he will do. Do you want victory over sin? Single most important step is abiding. The branch attached to the vine, life, vitality, victory, power of God's spirit. You would detach yourself from that, no chance, victory over sin, no chance. Any fruit, all fruit for Jesus Christ, apart from me, you can do nothing. You say, okay, Robbie, I'm convinced by God's word. Um, This is simple, but this is also profound to me. Where do I start, where do I start? Well, let's kind of tackle it this way. Abiding is anything in our lives, ultimately, is anything in our lives that draws us closer to Christ, okay? So you can say the antithesis of abiding, the opposite, anti-abiding is sin then. That's tomorrow morning. Come back, okay? Make sure you come back, don't be afraid, okay? But anything in our lives that promotes relationship with Christ is abiding. The two most common, powerful ways of of fundamental abiding will be uh, uh, time in God's word, the ministry of the word, word and prayer. I mean, that, that, that should not be new. You read, read today Jesus, after his ministry, he went away, he rose early, he went away by himself to a desolate place and he prayed. I love those verses so much because I'm like, oh, Jesus had to do it as if we don't have to do it either. Jesus himself was abiding in the Father, in his humanity and his divinity. He's abiding in the Father as if we don't have to do that as well. The ministry of God's word in our lives and the ministry of prayer as well, and you combine those two together, it's so awesome. That is when the sap and the juice of the Lord start to flow through our lives. Last thing I'll say is this, okay? I want you to notice, okay? Notice this. The branch is 100% dependent upon the stem. Detached, no chance. But, but, but notice in God's design. Notice in God's, Jesus is the true vine. The Father's the vine dresser. In God's design, the vine is dependent entirely on the branch to bear his fruit. Do you see that? It's not the branch that bears the fruit, but God in his design has chosen to rely on the branches to display his fruit through. God has designed his church to be the bearers of his fruit. God has designed you and me. He has saved us to use us to bear his fruit through us. Like, make it personal right now. You, saved in Christ, you have been called and chosen by God to be a vessel and a bearer of fruit, again, in your life. That's awesome. That's God's design. He doesn't need us. He's chosen, though, to use us. So every single one of us has a stewardship and responsibility that God wants to bear fruit in our individual lives, in our marriage, in our families, in our workplaces, in our church with what he's entrusted to us as stewards, again, of the giftedness and the calling that we have in this life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just think about that for a second. God calls you to abide in him because he, his design is he would use you. So let's just take a moment of reflection here as we begin this pursuit of Christ, the, the, the foundation of abiding that he might do what? 
What fruit does he want to bear in our lives right now? How much could God do with men and women and children that surrender themselves to him yet again with the expectation and joy of the power of abiding?